live from the next cast of the Biological Institute. Today we're talking about fans of the SCP Foundation. and welcome back to Phantopological. My name is Nick G, and here for the season six finale, we're going to be talking about the SCP Foundation, which has linked back to the first episode we did of this season, Creepypasta. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. You can call me SCP-2790 because I'm so meta. I couldn't find the number and I forgot. All right, I'm whatever. I'm a D4. And Nick Z. I am definitely here. Uh, do not adjust your computer screens or smartphones or tablets. I am definitely not an SCP. Mm. Oh, that's what an SCP would say. Is it? Wait, he's he's a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's the Tanner pretending to be the werewolf. <laughs> Always. Oh. As G had mentioned, this is kind of a throwback to the beginning of the season, but you might be wondering what the heck is the SCP Foundation, and you would not be alone. Prior to our research for the season, I had no idea what it is, or however you want to describe it. Was that your experiences as well, Z and G? Yeah. Until it got brought up uh, when we were scoping out topics for this season, I did not know it existed. It's just how well hidden it is. Ooh. It got brought up by me. Because my fiance's a big fan. Hmm. She probably ran into it on Reddit or something like that. But that's how I heard about it. And I thought, this sounds like a really cool little community to explore. It's like a bit smaller than some of the fans we normally cover, but like it seems to have a lot of intricacies. Yeah. Which might be interesting to explore. So here we are. Yeah. And it's funny because your fiance is quite a bit out of the demographic of SCP fans. Mm-hmm. But I will get back to that. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so, for those of you not in the know, because you've been listening to the podcast for like a minute or two, and you're like, what the heck are they talking about? The (laughs) SCP Foundation, which stands for Secure Containment Procedures, and kind of is a backronym for Secure Contain Protect, is a fictional, definitely fictional, organization launched in 2008 that is uh, the subject of web-based collaborative writing project of the same name. Stories from the project often describe situations that violate natural law and are written in an academic scientific writing style. The series of stories started with SCP-173 on 4chan's Paranormal X board. The SCP Foundation now has hundreds of stories written about various SCPs and the SCP Foundation itself, and has also inspired many spinoff works such as SCP Containment Breach, which is a video game. This was kind of weird. So the SCP Foundation is kind of weird. Uh, I was looking at the search data for the SCP Foundation. And as I mentioned, it started in 2008. There is data about some SCP Foundation that dates back to 2004 as a search topic. Interesting. I'm guessing that's just a coincidence. I'm sure it is. Stop it. Stop it, guys. <laughs> it's all winks and nudges this entire episode. Yep. We'll just it. say a sentence and be like, or is it? <laughs> oh, I know what the title of this episode is going to be. 
From 2004 to January 2012, interest was on a steady decline, which should not be super surprising because from 2004 to 2008, there wasn't an SCP Foundation. I don't know where the data came from, whatever. But after that, there was a sharp increase in interest, followed mostly by an upward trend in interest with some spikes in May of 2012, which based on my research might coincide with popular YouTuber Markiplier playing Containment Breach. Okay. There was also a spike in August 2014 and another in April 2017. I have no idea what those spikes were about, possibly because of the size of the community. In April 2017, Series 4 of the SCPs opened up. I don't know if that was a contributing factor or not. What you may find surprising is the top 10 countries by search volume. Any guesses as to which country is on top? Singapore. Singapore. <laughs> The Netherlands are always around. The Netherlands, <laughs> like legit answers, E Netherlands. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. You're both wrong. Uh, Z, <sighs> as usual, you are on team more wrong. Oh man. I don't know if that's usual. I just like to think <laughs> of it that way. <laughs> I'm sorry, Z. I don't mean to pick on you. <laughs> I should start picking on G. <laughs> sure. Come at me. Okay. So countries in order. Japan, by a very large margin. Oh, interesting. Uh, South Korea, pretty close behind. Big gap between South Korea and Poland. Uh, then the United States, Canada, Singapore. Hey. Hong Kong, New Zealand, Australia, and Taiwan. Hmm. Very interesting combination of, like, English-speaking and non-English-speaking countries, mostly in, like, yeah. Eastern Asia and North America. Except for Poland. Given the top three countries, I wonder if those countries are more curious about it because they have more, I guess, more of a connection still to this day to their folklore and whatnot. I know uh, there are certain parts of Poland, at least up until recently, where if you talked about werewolves, people would kind of take you a little seriously. Oh. So, and I know that Japan is it's also, I mean, they just have the, the culture of the yokai, right? I mean, mm. or... Um, kind of like SCPs, but... Or Kami. Yeah, or Kami. I mean, when I saw the list of the top 10 countries, all I could think of was, like, Evangelion, or um, <laughs> with, like, Sele, or uh, what's yeah. the other... Or, like, Pacific Rim. Yeah. It's like, you know, all of these different countries banded together. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a Russian branch, a Korean branch, a Chinese branch, French branch, Polish branch, a Spanish branch, a Thai branch, a Japanese branch, a German branch, and an Italian branch. Wow. Are these branches like different versions of the wiki? They, I believe, from what I can tell, yeah, they are versions of SCP, but by people writing in that language. Ah, uh -huh. okay. So, like, they're their own stories. Yeah. Interesting. I can contribute a little factoid of my own. Go for it. The SCP that started it all, I believe, 172. 173. 173. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, actually inspired by a work of art that is by a Japanese artist. Yeah. Like, I think that was the picture that they used for the uh, little bit of text that went with it on the old F-Chan forums. Is that the one that's basically like the Weeping Angels? Yeah. It is. That is addressed on the site. Oh. <laughs> they said that it was created a couple months before that episode came out, but it was in the same year. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. That is an interesting coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got mine out, so we're good now. Um, All right. 
I'm going to skip over size of fandom because I really didn't have much data. I just had the information from the subreddit, which puts the number of fans of SCP Foundation probably somewhere in the low 100,000s. Wow. But that's one data point, so it's it's not much to go off of. Yeah. But, and this was the coolest part to me, the SCP Foundation has an annual community survey. Oh, hey. Ooh. So it doesn't have a ton of depth in terms of the kinds of questions that are asked, either in terms of why people are interested, but it does have some very basic demographics that are interesting. And in 2017, there were just over 6,000 responses, which was more than twice the number of responses in the previous year. And I think this is going to be really interesting because it's very different than most of the other fandoms we covered. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what group of ages do you think is the largest for SCP fans? 30-somethings. 30-somethings. All right. G? That was what I was going to guess as well. Okay. G, you're wrong. Z, you're also <laughs> wrong. But, like, I'm picking on G now. So. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. Would you believe that the largest group, and I mean more than 50% of the people that responded to this survey, and I presume people writing and participating, are... 15 to 19 what dang like super young yeah i was betting on the wrong end of the spectrum man oh man when you said that 30 somethings was was wrong i was thinking you were gonna say like they're aged 50 to 72 no there's like less than one percent over 50 or something like that wow the next largest group was people 20 to 24 that was 21 percent okay under 15 is about 11 percent Ooh, that's interesting, because when I was on their site, going through the rules and such, I thought that 15 was the minimum age. Yeah. But I mean, this is the community, so there's no requirement for reading. It's just participating. Right. Well, you mean no requirement for writing? Or no one's blocking you on the internet to, like, read the SCPs. Yeah, you just wouldn't be able to apply to become, like, a writing member. Yeah. Yes. But that's like eighty percent of the survey respondents are under twenty four years old. Wow. That's nuts. It's a young person's game. <laughs> yeah. Um not as surprisingly, but maybe skewed in the same way as many of the surveys we've seen. Predominantly male, about eighty percent. Ten percent of respondents identified as female. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch of representation from different genders, about two percent non binary. 1% agender, 1.6% gender fluid. So like, I guess a lot of surveys that we've covered don't really go beyond the gender binary, but that was neat. Yeah. Yeah. Language, country, not super surprising. Mostly English, 75%. But there is a crap load of languages that uh, were listed. I'll link to the survey in the show notes, but if you look up like SCP community survey, you can see all the results. And there's like many different respondents of different uh, languages country also a lot of different representation but still predominantly the united states about 55 percent this one i found interesting and ties back to what you were talking about at the beginning of the episode about you know your fiance as if i haven't said how there's so much of a gap between your fiance introducing you to the scp foundation and the demographics here's one other piece of information that does that sure the largest group of people found out about the scp foundation via markiplier Oh, really? At about 16%. The games, about 12%. And other YouTube channels, about 9%, almost 10%. 
or a referral about 10 percent as well wow yeah. and it was weird because there was like a couple of youtube channels and there were other references but like most people found about it from markiplier which i didn't know was a thing so cool now we all know yay congrats markiplier <laughs> the only other fandom fact that i have it's just this tidbit, and obviously, if either of you have your own, like, dive in. But uh, the SCP Foundation, did you know, adheres to the correct system of units. That's right, the International System of Units. No Imperial <laughs> measures here, please. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is in their um, their writing style guide. Okay. Yeah. So they embrace the, uh, the international viewpoint, then. They're not just about the American... Uh, well, monsters of uh, of insanity. It's a non-governmental organization, so they don't have to follow. Right. Also, it, I, ooh. It, yeah, I, I wonder if there's an SCP that's like masquerading as the meter stick in France. Let's see. It's like kept in, in a in a museum somewhere in Paris or something. Oh, hold on. Oh, load faster. <laughs> <laughs> the tension is killing me. You know what? Let's continue on. I'll I'll tell you in a second. Sure. I can throw in a fact. Oh, go want. for it. Okay. I'll give me time for this I, to load. Yep. Yep. I didn't come across the uh the SCP's own survey about their readers, writers, contributors. But I did a little tiny bit of a survey on my own, going through the list of uh mods and admin and operational staff. All those people trying to figure out uh, something of a, of a gender breakdown, just because I was kind of curious, you know, is this like more of a male-dominated thing, more of a female-dominated thing? And in these staff positions, it seems pretty similar to the overall breakdown. Um, overall, like just based on pronouns that were used in their individual descriptions, so nothing authoritative, but nonetheless. It's about 57% male, about 12% female, and about 29% didn't mention any pronoun at all so hmm. yeah oh my god okay yep yeah not quite as good as what you'd hope <laughs> there is an scp it's having a hard time loading so i can't honestly tell Ooh. scp 5280j subjects found using scp 5280j are primarily located in the united states liberia and to a lesser extent the united kingdom and its commonwealths mm-hmm. there's a picture that i can't see because it won't load which is i presume of a meter stick or by that, I mean a yardstick, because an addendum, it has a unit of length called a furlong. Further investigation into how this was allowed to happen is required. Do you guys know what the J designation means? No. No. Joke. Uh... It means it's like not a serious entry, but is for funsies. Oh, well, then I have some two cool SCPs yeah. that I'll come back to later that are surprisingly, <laughs> well, one of them is surprisingly not a joke. Does anyone else have any more facts before we go into some famous last words? No, I'm not going to utter another single fact to the rest of the podcast. Perfect. (laughs) Exactly how I love this cast doing. All right. Last episode, we said some things. Some of them were statements. None of them were statements this time. Oh, no, wait. Epic Film Guy Neck had a statement. Oh, man. But most of us had questions. Mm -hmm. Maybe we've got answers. We'll find out. Z, you're on the top of my list. Sure. You said, is there a writer who is at least internet famous who got their start with the SCP Foundation? What did you find? Well, what I found was that there apparently are none that got their start on the SCP Foundation. 
But I found that uh, one Michel Proulx, P-R-O-U-L-X, used the SCP Foundation for inspiration for a writing prompt on her uh, writer's website's blog. And then the other one that I found didn't get a start on it, but was an active participant from December 2013 to November 2014. Uh, and that is the screenwriter Max Landis. That sounds familiar. Most recently, I think the thing that he put together was the uh, the movie Bright with Will Smith on That's, Netflix. Yep. He is the son of the guy who did an, an American werewolf in Paris. Apparently, he is doing a remake of that. So he's got a few projects here and there. Hey, he got his... you missed yeah. a very important TV show. Uh, Masters of Horror in 2005. Nope. Creature Runner of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's also on my list here. The Netflix version. Yeah, yeah. Wait. Wrote... Yeah, the Netflix version. Yep, yep. And he wrote the movie American Ultra. Oh, yeah. Kind of a little quiet movie. Came about and went away. That's an alright movie, so... Yeah. However, however... Within the last few months, he had been banned because, like many men in Hollywood, there were some allegations that came out against him that some of the women that he worked with might have been harassed, probably, but but I guess he's so small potatoes, doesn't really amount to much, unfortunately. Okay, so he may have harassed people, so they banned him from the SCP Foundation website? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. The SCP Foundation banned him because they just didn't want to be seen as, you know, encouraging that kind of thing or turning a blind eye to it. They wanted to take an active stance on gender equity and, like, safe workplaces. No, that's cool, because I was very much expecting that to go the other way. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> okay, that's cool. All right, so maybe Max yeah. Landis and um, the Prul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so maybe... <laughs> possibly i mean like with all these people from like below 15 to 22 on it right now (laughs) just a matter of time like the next stephen king could come out of this thing i don't know you know okay yeah gee your famous last words Mm. how influenced is the scp foundation by pop culture well i mean i thought i had it dead to rights when i saw what the first SCP was and the year it came out. I'm like, aha, it's a weaving angel from Doctor Who. But <laughs> as previously explained, that's a coincidence. However, first of all, there's quite a few that have like a strong Lovecraft feel to them. Actually, I think Cthulhu is one of the SCPs. <laughs> it's gotta be, right? Yeah. I mean, that's when you're dealing with abnormalities and horrors and reality changing and stuff you know <laughs> it's uh lovecraftian i don't know if you guys managed to read many i read a few a few but one of the ones i read was an early one it was wikipedia has like a, a few highlight ones went off that scp 087 okay which is a staircase that descends oh, downwards uh, forever yes. yes with the face with the face when i read that i could not like it kept reminding me through the way it was written and what happened in the in the description of House of Leaves, because that has the same premise. 
another plug for House of Leaves. I know I was getting a lot of like getting a lot of airtime <laughs> on this podcast, but it's a, <laughs> but it's about you know it's about a guy who buys a house, it's got a door in it, and he opens the door, and it just it just goes on forever. Um, Reeves so like House of <laughs> Leaves done. What was the first word? Read. Read, yeah. I mean, I, I could write experience. You could borrow it. <laughs> experience, as <laughs> least. Yeah. Anyway, so I feel like some people, it will be like unintentional. They'll just kind of have an idea floating around in their brain, like, oh, this would fit right into the the style of SCP. Mm-hmm. But in other times, I think it's like like a knowing wink to stuff that they've read or watched or something like that that they're bringing in. But like because it's all in that same format. It files in nicely next to everything else. So I think I think there are a lot of people like just putting out completely cool like original ideas, a couple of which I'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But there's some other people who like the idea of cataloging the stuff that they acknowledge or remember fondly in with the rest of the SCP stuff. But there's literally like four thousand of them. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say they're all derivative. Yeah. Yeah. It would be hard not to have some pop culture influence with that many of them and that many people writing. Yeah. Okay. I said at the beginning of the episode there are hundreds, mostly because I couldn't actually enumerate them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a 4,000 series, but I don't know if that's literally... I think there are 3,700 right Okay. Roundabouts. Because also complicating the matters of that is that I found out that the way that it works is you write an SCP... It's voted on. It stays up for 24 hours, at least. Mm-hmm. And if it has a score of negative 10 at the end of that 24-hour period, it's deleted. So actually, there are many more SCPs than the ones that are published. Yeah. Yeah, they have an interesting like way of selecting the ones that's... I mean, it's like, it's like group selected. Yeah. It's based on the popularity and the feedback and stuff like that. They also have, you know, forms on how to go about writing them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they mentioned it should be good. <laughs> cool. The best advice. Get yeah. good. I can see a Dark Souls um, SCP coming right my way. <laughs> Here we go. Actually, that might that might work. My famous last words were, are they supposed to be creepy? Which was a stupid thing to say. Guess what? <laughs> I found the creepy ones, guys. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I started to find the creepy ones, but I was afraid and stopped there are definitely creepy scps one of them which is not necessarily creepy in its story but in how it's depicted is scp 096 which i found out about via tv tropes actually because it does this interesting trick i'm gonna get into some other stuff later in the episode but this one is it refers to a document an external document you open it up it's a jpeg jpegs don't move right this one does Ooh. Because it's actually a GIF, because it's just a file, and it's a GIF that's served with a JPEG extension. So you're like, oh, that's like a creepy looking thing. And then you get a jump scare, because, I mean, apologies to anybody. If you're listening to this, you're watching this, and we ruined a little bit of the magic of the SCPs. There are thousands, and I'm sorry if I've I've ruined the magic of the SCP-96. But, like, part of it is building up the atmosphere to that. Anyway, that is just one of many different examples that are scary some of them are scary because of the concept there's one about this horrible illness that afflicts people where they start to grow extra appendages and skin and they die 
but then they grow like a fungus and anyone who's touched is affected and also has this thing it's like a self-reproducing thing some of the scarier ones which i did not look into very much because uh they're visual and are scary uh many are referenced in the scp containment breach game which actually have physical depictions one of which included the stairs that you mentioned g Mm-hmm. and i think another one which is scp 173 which is like a relentless killer or something like that 173 is the original scp oh no wasn't that one then yeah there is one that is like it just hunts you down and kills you oh no wait it was 173 they just made it scarier yeah. oh good yeah great um sorry i shouldn't say that they're all supposed to be creepy but there are definitely creepy ones based on the the writer's guide it seems like it's more about having an interesting concept and rolling with it. So if you want to be creepy, be creepy. If you want to take something mundane and make it interesting, do that. There's one about a toaster. Yep. Oh, I was going to talk about that. <laughs> I'll shut up about it. We, we'll yeah. skip ahead to EFG yeah. next and we'll come back to the toaster. All right. Wait, we'll come back to... Oh. No, oh, it, no. it's still the toaster, isn't it? We'll come back yeah. to me. I. Yeah, I guess... We all read that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll come back to that efg nick very specifically said only three words time travel creepypasta did anyone find anything that meets those criteria not really almost undoubtedly there are some time travel scps yeah, be- oh yeah i managed to find some of those yeah but i didn't find a creepy one that doesn't mean there isn't one mm-hmm. i just didn't find it yeah. Although I think there is one of them that like hunts you down and travels through time. Wish I remember what that one was. The one that I found that was notable was SCP-2020. All right. SCP-2020 resembles a gray alien mm-hmm. and it's very pleasant, very peaceful. Goes by the name of Artie or Bobby or Izzy and uh, basically just pitches sci-fi ideas amazing nice. but not a joke entry ah. doesn't have a j yeah that's curious so well like there seems to be the difference between like joke and like just lighthearted. yeah oh yeah well i mean like the overall i don't know if we want to get into the why already but uh... we can get into the why that's the last famous last words <laughs> oh well then <laughs> let's do it let's get into it all right all right all right, all right. Why? Well, I mean, you know, part of building up this kind of a fiction, this kind of X-Files style uh, fiction is that, you know, not every paranormal thing has to be bad or evil or violent. Mm-hmm. It's more realistic, if you will, if there are some like SCP-2020 just things that exist and like do their thing. Yeah. Without talking about the toaster, do you want to hear about a fantastically mundane SCP? Sure. I would love to. It is also not a joke. SCP-4445. It is a safe class. This is something we didn't mention. SCPs have object classes, which are safe, which means it can be contained with no... It doesn't need to be contained? I can't remember. Safe was a weird one. Then there's Euler which is basically something that exhibits free will, so you need to do something to contain it. Mm. Keter, which is like bad news, like potentially apocalyptic. And then there's... Euclid? No, Euclid is the second one. 
is like Ramiel or something. It's very rarely used, which is like God class. It's an SCP used against other SCPs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Apparently, you're not supposed to write those because they're very hard to write well. Yeah. Anyway, SCP-4445. What the heck is it? It's uh, a website masquerading as a repository of common tropes from popular culture. It serves as a clearinghouse for the recruitment of SCP Foundation personnel from the general population. The website may be found at tvtropes.org slash pmwiki slash... Oh, it's eating itself. Yes! It was so good. Because uh, <laughs> I onto TV tropes to get more in depth. Yep. Like to get something because it, it, there's just too much. There's like, as you mentioned, almost four thousand entries. Mm-hmm. And at least if I browse through TV tropes, I'll get some idea of a bunch of them. The entry for the SCP Foundation in TV tropes is itself an SCP entry. <laughs> Actually, it is a Thaumiel class. Ah, so deep it goes. Uh, but it's like, ugh. Ugh. I forget what Z was talking about. I just had a lighthearted SCP that I had to tell you about. <laughs> I was just talking about the, the sort of deeper, kind of like overarching reality that these people are creating on this oh, site. How, yes. how it's got to have the, the good ones and the bad ones and the ones that are just neutral. Yeah, and there are there are many, many neutral ones. Mm-hmm. there's a time traveling boat that always looks like it's from the era that it's in and if it has a forward a back and a back again lever ah. <laughs> it's amazing oh hey welcome to the stream orange moose alabama is that an eastern time i'm bad with time zones i think it's this part of the globe i guess the central central okay mm-hmm. i mean not a thing i want to place a bet on <laughs> It is central to him. Um, I found it really interesting as well that not only is there so much that's mundane, but like like real life, there's not really a canon. You could say that canon of real life is like an actual timeline of events. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the SCP Foundation doesn't really care about that. Not that it doesn't care about continuity, but it's written by a whole bunch of different people. So it's not entirely consistent. And that doesn't really matter. It doesn't really impact how any of the stories are written it doesn't diminish any of that are you aware of how scp interacts with canon i heard there are like pockets of canon but i don't really know beyond that there are pockets of canon mm-hmm. it's kind of like you take little pieces from scp and you kind of use that to construct like a theme yeah and like a a, a particular idea behind what's going on more specifically with the scp there's actually one. The the one on top of the canons page right now is unfounded. What happens if there was no SCP? Oh. But this stuff is out there. Another one is like the SCP is like based in a, in, a, in an old religious organization that started with the church hundreds of years ago. <laughs> stuff like that. So it's like there's these little these little extra offshoots where you can kind of pull some of the entries in to create. Kind of, it's like it's like a big sheet of marble, and then you kind of like mm-hmm. sculpt out your own little world from it, and that's uh, that's super cool. The rules about making cannons as well. So, like, is the idea with a cannon? You know, it's not like all of the SCPs exist within like one giant SCP Foundation universe. It's more like they're like the colors you can paint with on your your canvas, which is your cannon. Yeah. 
And a lot of the canon involves writing your own pieces to sort of introduce the canon or expand the canon that you've made. Right. Here are the instructions for building a canon. If you're wanting to build a canon and have it add to this page, the important thing to remember is that it must be a shared project. To qualify for inclusion here, your canon must meet the following requirements. A minimum of five articles written. A minimum of three authors writing the articles. Your canon cannot be closed to other new contributors. Yeah. Your canon cannot be finished. Yes. Oh. That's, that's like yeah. the smartest rule Yeah. for something like this. It says, we're not going to split hairs on this. Remember, collaboration and innovation. That is the purpose of these creations. Mm-hmm. That is really cool because not that I'm trying to sum things up this early in the episode, <laughs> but like, oh my, like, I can't think of anything that more perfectly synthesizes the bizarre gamut of of everything that is fandom than the SCP Foundation. Like, it is curative because there are obviously all these entries. Some of them relate to each other. Some of them don't. There is kind of a canon, sort of, maybe kind of. Technically, you could, like, make it all a canon because... There's so many different continuities. There's so many different timelines. There's so many different parallel universes that maybe they're all consistent. Who cares? Doesn't matter. (laughs) There's like creative and transformative. And beyond that, there's like so much meta. Yeah. (laughs) Like there is an SCP that like if you stay on the page long enough, it will whisper to you (laughs) just like the SCP is supposed to. From the FAQ. How come there are so many contradictions? What is canon? The SCP Foundation is built on contradiction. There are many canons. There's no one completely correct view. The only exception is if a certain view is one too off-concept to be accepted by readers, or two too silly in a bad way. Mm-hmm. In character, the Foundation may put false and contradictory information in public versions of the SCP articles as a security measure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure you all read SCP-001, right? Yeah. No. For the uninitiated, that's kind of like your introduction to the SCP, and it, it's like there's all these warnings, and you're like, ha ha ha, it's a website. It's telling me that's secure. Oh, I shouldn't be here. Whatever. Then you scroll down the page, and there's an image, and then it's like memogenic image or whatever, deployed as security measure or whatever. It's like agent kills in one year or something ridiculous. And it's just like, you're like, oh god, what? I mean, that can't... No, that's ridiculous. Because it is. It's not a real thing. But, like, it has this ability, since it's hypertext, to, like, do that. Yeah. To, like, tell stories in different ways. Like, you were talking about with House of Leaves, how the text got really narrow as you were reading it. Yeah. And that's definitely one of the appeals, probably from both a writing and a reading standpoint, is... Everything has the same format. Everything is entered, documented to a series of files about stuff that's contained. But in that, everyone's looking and, and, and trying to find like the best way to subvert that or tell something in a different way or tell a different kind of thing. And one of my favorites was, as we talked about, the toaster, which, when I read the one-sentence description, sounded like like hilarious on its face. <laughs> SCP-426 is a toaster which can only be referred to in the first person. That's really funny. It's just a stupid little, like, really? That's 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 all it is? But, like, it immediately reminded me of, like, Douglas Adams and the intro- introduction of the Huluvu, 
which is a, a hyper-intelligent shade of blue. <laughs> where it's just like you're ascribing qualities to things that you didn't think it was possible to ever have these kinds of qualities. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like a very like outside-of-the-box way of thinking. But as you read the SCP, and I'm not going to do like the meta thing where I incorporate myself into it. <laughs> I'm just going to talk about it. But it starts to become sinister because as people cannot refer to themselves as a part from the toaster. And what's interesting is, is I think a lot of these don't have an ending. They're just like, this thing is out there. Yeah. Or in here. Yeah. So it just kind of like perks up the imagination without like drawing a narrative to a close or anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some of the advice of the writer's guide as well. It's like, it should be very precise. It's very concise. It's not intended to come to a conclusion. It's mostly to tell enough to secure, contain, and protect this anomaly, whether or not the anomaly is fully explained or not. That's not the point. Yeah, you only understand it via what they were able to observe about it. Yeah, there was a couple of really interesting ones that I remember reading about, one of which is an indescribable SCP. Um, Yes, SCP-055. Something that causes anyone who examines it to forget its various characteristics. This also predates the silence, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Thus making it indescribable, except in terms of what it is not. That was... It's like, <laughs> it wasn't a sphere, was it? It's like, what wasn't a sphere? <laughs> it's like, we agreed that the investigation, that it was not spherical. Oh, oh yes, yes, it wasn't a sphere. It's like... <laughs> That narrows it down. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. But like, the am- amount of depth that goes into each of the stories to get you interested, to get you invested, but to not draw back the entirety of the curtain. Yeah. It's never like, oh, it's because, you know, ancient burial ground or like aliens visited us in 5,000 BC. Like, ne- like, there's no explanation. And that's probably a key to the to the um, engrossing nature of it where you feel like maybe if you read some more you could start to piece it together and figure out like what's going on but uh you can't it's your classic mystery situation you want you want to know more <laughs> it's a mystery box so there doesn't ever need to be a season or a series finale no you can just write different stories this never has to end ever yeah. well like so there's the SCPs, which are interesting. Then there's the Foundation, which is its own beast. I didn't get into any of that. But there's also a really interesting mythology of how that whole thing works. There's, like, the ethics boards. There's the different D-levels. There's, like, the head of the organization. Relationships between the different researchers. Yeah! Ooh. It's, like, super intricate. Getting into the tales rather than the articles. Foundation Tales. Yeah. Did you read a lot of the tales? Did either of you? I did not. Uh, I just know that there's a difference. Uh, I rely on both of you for all the other information. <laughs> Unless like the interviews count as tales, but I feel like the tales are more like short stories about civilians or people in the Foundation encountering various SCPs rather than like the interviews which tend to be part of articles. There's also something great, and I think like inherent is your perhaps slight mistrust of the scp mm-hmm. like that's part of it because the scp in what canon there is is where you're going to discover this information that you're just taking it based on what they're telling you 
at the same time, there's stuff that's redacted. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, as I say, if there's contradictions, it's because uh, the SCP is maybe uh, doesn't want the people to know the truth. And they're feeding prisoners to monstrosities, like, constantly. Uh, yeah, there's... What's up with that? <laughs> there's a, One of the SCPs is, like, writing scrawled on a wall that only D4s are allowed to read because once they read about it they become aware of this like really awful being and if somebody erased it then it might come into our world a different way whoa so they're like being martyrs to protect people that's nuts yeah but you're you're right like d4s which is supposedly the lowest class i think d5 is actually like law enforcement and whatever like typical civilian law enforcement Mm -hmm. but like d4s are the lowest class that is often referred to in the scp files and yeah they're just like people on death row who unintentionally become sacrifices to these things or research targets or whatever yeah what was interesting given that information is that the writer's guide for scps is like the scp is cold but not cruel because that's talking about how you secure these different things it's like don't describe what it needs to eat unless it's very specific like we assume that it's like fed and kept if there are people involved they have like accommodations whatever don't include any detail that's not necessary because they're cold it's like cold emotionless but not vengeful cruel etc yeah they're not evil in any way they themselves are curative yes oh while also being open to transformation that's right literal and figurative (laughs) with all the ongoing canons and whatnot i mean some of the administrators of the scp have had scps applied to them (laughs) to like extend their life man i feel like this is just like hey guys did you read all these different articles there's like thousands (laughs) there's some cool ones one of them was uh, talking about how the administrator or whoever, one of the O5s, which is some ethics boards. You know what? I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, talking about how they wanted to classify death as one of the SCPs Whoa. because one of them died, was in a white space for a day. And then when they came back to their body, they could feel themselves decomposing. What? And it was an awful experience. And they're like, nope, Holy crow. we're going to qualify death as an SCP and we're going to contain it. Man. Wow. And then amnesia gas. Yeah, because, yeah, again, it's like it's not like a series of monsters in cells. Some of them are ideas. Mm-hmm. Some of them are words. Some of them are states of being like it's a really good. One of the best writing prompts. I mean, it's very, it's very <laughs> wide open. Yeah. It's not like, okay, we need someone to write the next one, which is a crazy tentacle monster that uh, only eats salad. <laughs> it's very, you know, you're crowdsourcing everybody's wildest ideas. Yeah. It's also not like there's no ulterior motive. There's no overarching narrative. There's no significant backstory. There are pieces like bits that you can add to your toolkit but like as you mentioned there are some canons where the scp foundation isn't a big foundation it's it's like civilian run or something yeah and that doesn't change 
things. It's not like the SCP is some giant malevolent force or cruel human beings or an abuse of power or anything like that. It's literally just a literary tool to take you to whatever you need to tell your story. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really impressed how it, it sometimes manages to get at things sideways. I don't know if you guys came across SCP-1171. I did not. No. Which is a house whose windows are always covered in condensation. Oh, sorry, I did. <laughs> yeah. Racist aliens. Yeah. Ah. Via the condensation, if you write a message, it'll be picked up by a racist alien. <laughs> Who's also looking at the message to the windows of their house, which are also always covered in condensation. I mean, they're racist aliens because they hate humans. They really do. <laughs> but they don't know that the SCP Foundation is humans. Arthur maybe laugh out loud. He's like, oh, what do you look like? He's like, oh, oh, pretty standard. Seven tendrils, tall, phosphorescence, like green carapace. And then he's like, what about you? And the guy writing back from the SCP just said, same. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I knew where you were going, but that didn't make it any less funny. Oh my God. (laughs) Same. And none of it, none of the conversation that was recorded was, isn't this crazy that we can communicate like this? <laughs> it was all very, like, just chatty. <laughs> Wait, so it was in English? It did not say. I mean, that's not really super relevant. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's... So you're a fan of fiction. Yeah, yeah so that's right. Fan of made-up stories. Sure. As a you know, fiction reader and writer, does the um, the kind of originality like spark anything in you? Does it hit the writing pleasure center in the back of your brain? I mean, like it kind of does. Well, well, like earlier on in the show, I've got a confession to make. I pulled up SCP ninety six, having not read it, started to read it, and I started off with the the interview, and I found that to be like more interesting. More, I mean. Because of where this was originally placed in the season, and because of what I initially found out about the SCP Foundation, I was expecting, like, a hive of creepypasta. Same. Everyone's gonna creep the crap out of me. So I came at it with that perspective, and, like, a lot of the ones that I was reading, especially the first one, 173, I was like, it's this weird statue thing. Don't look at it, or don't not look at it, or whatever. It, like, eats your brain or kills you or something. Yeah. Whatever. So, I mean, it didn't really grab me. And it was, like, written about in this really scientific tone. Like, eh, whatever. But reading the, the interview about 096 is, like, way more engrossing. And, I, I like, for me, personally, I think, like, a big part of the why is that people can write about these things. Like, they have that idea, and then they can sort of, like write about it in a very clinical kind of formal scientific way Hmm. much like lovecraft did with the arkham trilogy which was mentioned an inverse in a piece by winston cook wilson they just pointed out that you know there's some lineage there between like stuff like lovecraft and the arkham trilogy which itself was a collection of stories written by uh, scientists of the day talking about these weird creatures but like i can see it appealing because there's that side of it but then at the same time you can 
give full indirect coverage of what you're talking about with like an interview or a tale. So, I mean, I can definitely see the appeal there, how it allows you to build something out in a way that most other writing exercises probably wouldn't. Unless you like wrote a story and then made up your own wiki about it to fill in all the details. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like the articles are all the facts, so to speak, you know, like with O96, it's such and such big. Uh, it does this when it's shown a picture or a video or likeness of itself. And then hunts the persons down who showed it that likeness and all these things, like all these facts, all these numbers, all these figures. So that's like the sort of hard, I guess, hard science, well, maybe not hard science fiction, because it's not like necessarily real science as hard science fiction is. But like, yeah, it's that hard factual base that you can then jump off of and do the fun stuff with the real fiction. <laughs> A springboard to real fiction, says Z. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What I find most interesting is that it gives writers a set of constraints, and there's so mm -hmm. much difference within those yeah. constraints. And I also have a hard time. Like, I find some of them compelling and some of them utterly boring and banal. Mm -hmm. But, like... Mm -hmm. I really like the meta-textual ones because they do things the text can't do. That's true. They take boring old fiction and put it in nice window dressings. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'm getting distracted looking at a bunch of them. Now. Yeah, me too. You want to go to the verdict? Yeah, let's... Who would like to go first? Z. Okay. Sure, I can go first. <laughs> Man, along with being distracted by reading some SCPs while the episode's going on, it's also really distracted about deciding whether or not I'm in or out. Like, I mean... All right, forget Z. Somebody else go. <laughs> <laughs> on the one hand, it, it is like this really cool concept where on the one hand, there's freedom to do anything. There's probably an SCP about headphones already, but there's like headphones as an SCP go. And then you've got to work within the constraints of coming up with this very scientific, very objective sounding report on what that SCP does. And is it harmful? Is it not? How is it classified? Where might it be from? What does it do? And then you can build up your stories around that if you want, or I guess you could just write tales about existing scps I'm not entirely clear if the tales can be about things that are not yet filed or archived or reported on but honestly i just have a really hard time getting over my initial disappointment that they weren't creepier you wanted them all to be creepypastas basically yeah because i mean the thing with creepypasta is that it's very direct like it very much taps in to your human nature. I mean, after we did the Creepypasta episode, I read the Creepypasta Jeff the Caver. <laughs> Jeff the Killer or Ted the Caver? Ah, there's a combination. <laughs> it's a mashup. I was also a little confused there. Ted, Ted the Caver. Right. Yes, that's right. Which is told in a series of blog posts about this guy and his friend 
going in this cave, finding like this little tiny sort of peephole, and then slowly over time making it bigger, hearing some weird sounds from the other side. Eventually they make the hole big enough, but just big enough to like shimmy through on his belly. Mm. And he like barely makes it through. And like he finds some weird writing on the wall. And then like his flashlight almost goes out or something. So he rushes back and then they go back again. Like it seems almost like he's going to run into some sort of weird creature. And then he comes back out. And then like there are these weird almost hauntings that follow him afterwards. And then the last post is like, if you don't hear again from me, I'm probably dead kind of thing. Hmm. And sorry to everybody listening who hasn't read Ted the Caver. I kind of ruined it for you, but it's still super creepy. And I mean, a big part of it is the delivery. Another big part of it is the use of images. Because of my expectations of creepypasta and of horror stories in general, you know, it's always like whenever everything's fine until it's not. And usually that buildup is like really small, really like bit by bit by bit. And with a lot of the SCPs, because I get the impression that they start out as reports rather than starting out strictly as a tales or interviews or whatever, because they start out as reports, it kind of takes that humanity away from it. Like in an article about the SCP Foundation from the Daily Dot, they compared it to things like Men in Black, mm-hmm. which... I can agree with, you know, Men in Black has its share of kind of creepy aliens, kind of evil aliens, kind of like neutral, good, yeah, lawful aliens, <laughs> whatever. And Welcome to Night Vale. And I don't agree with the Welcome to Night Vale comparison because Welcome to Night Vale isn't scientific. It's like a radio DJ in this small, weird town sort of reporting on the weird, small things that happen in the town. Not from the perspective of, oh man, this town's so weird. But from the perspective of another news today, the mayor's office was taken over by a, an unknown, unseeable shape of unknown origins. Anyone who gets close to the mayor's office has been asked by the former mayor's secret police to report immediately to them. It's just like told very matter of factly, and that kind of builds up the creepiness. So here, where there's like this remove from these these beings these entities it helps build up the fiction of the scp foundation mm. but i mean as i'm talking it's coming across more and more it just doesn't do it for me so i gotta say i'm out all right i'm gonna immediately go next sure first of all you just said that in nightville the way that it's matter-of-factly said builds up the creepiness but the matter-of-fact style of scp makes you like it less care to comment yeah Yes, absolutely. It's like the story famously told by David Foster Wallace at that commencement at Awful. the commencement Terrible. speech <laughs> that he made with the two fish swimming along happily and then another older fish comes along and says, "Hey fellas, how's the water today?" And the two young fish look at each other and say, "What's water?" In that case, Welcome to Night Vale is a two younger fish. And the SCP Foundation is the older fish. Okay. The older fish knows what's going on. The older fish knows that it's swimming through water and can report on it with, you know, a little bit of a remove. But with Welcome to Night Vale... They're in it. Yeah, they're in it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, 
what Z said, but in a positive way. <laughs> this is the creepypasta that I want to read. <laughs> you know, it's not like gory or graphic. No, which I do appreciate. The creepypasta, there's a lot of like people being wronged and things are evil. And like, Jeff the Killer's gonna get you because he's the killer. Why would he get me specifically? Oh, <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? That's why that story about the guy's wife was so good. It was very much like an SCP. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Also, super creepy. And thinking about it was giving me goosebumps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Please keep telling me about why. Yeah, no. <laughs> or did not I like that remove. I like that all these very different ideas can fit in the same format. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care that the SCP has them contained or whatever, but I like reading all about them at a remove. And then your mind kind of fills in a bit of it. It's more science fiction-y and less horror-y, which is what I prefer. And I just like I just like the ideas. SCP-3008 is an IKEA retail store that has an infinite interior space yes. with no outer physical bounds, causing those inside to be trapped. Mm. That contains a rudimentary civilization based around those stuck inside. Like, <laughs> I'm not a joke. I mean, it's a little odd, but... Uh, yeah. Unlike that one, most of them are not, like, situations from people. Mm-hmm. They're just like, this thing is out there. But this is what Stranger Things is. Yeah. 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 The world is, yeah. is more than it seems. Yeah. Like, say there are 3,700 of the buggers. <laughs> the world is primarily comprised of not what it seems. Yeah. <laughs> some of them are just, like, very small little aberrations, and some of them are, like, God world enders and stuff, and we're just trying to deal with it. I kind of like everything about it. Like, if one's not to your taste, you'll find another one that is pretty darn soon. And the fact that it's collaborative yep. means they're not going to run out of ideas. Mm-hmm. As long as there are people interested in this, there will be STP. So yeah, I think I'm in. I think I'm I'm in for the rest of this episode. I'm just going to be reading this. Excuse me. <laughs> okay well i guess that leaves me when we started looking at the scp foundation i was really bored i happened to come across a couple scps and was really unimpressed i was like mm-hmm. that's kind of neat it's the kind of thing i would look in a D book and find like a weird artifact it's like oh that's a fun artifact that you drop into a D campaign like i could read a book of that but when you have fun, mundane things, they're not fun. They're just mundane. But as it turns out, it's just like people. There's a large variety of different people coming in many different shapes and sizes from 1 to 3,600 and something. I don't know. <laughs> just like people. Only that many people. <laughs> what I found really interesting was the diversity in terms of how the story is. stories are told both in how they're presented. There's an SCP that you cannot describe in words. If you do, it will come and murder you. Like, you can do pictures, but you can't communicate any information about it in words. You can't speak of it. It should be appearing behind me shortly (laughs) to murder me. That's a really interesting literary concept that doesn't really carry around to other mediums. You can describe the story in different ways. You can pick different elements which can themselves be very interesting you can take a concept that maybe is played out but works really well in a, an academic style 
The style of writing is not necessarily for me, but in many cases it does make things more interesting when you have this juxtaposition between like precise, concise, unemotional, cold reporting and then an interview which is like people being like what the heck is that like mm-hmm. there's i think z you'd mentioned the story of the creature that when you see its face either a depiction or its face it'll hunt you down kill you yeah and like the interview in that one's super fascinating mm-hmm. actually you know what this all reminds me of did either of you play the donnie darko arg no no okay i watched donnie darko found it really interesting and afterwards found out there's a website you can go to the Donnie Darko website and there's all these like puzzle riddle elements on the website that like add more to the story of the movie and also make it kind of creepy in how it's presented that's effectively what the interviews pictures and whatnot add to the scp and i found that really interesting and i think that i'm in i was out i was also expecting a bunch of creepy pasta and being terrified didn't happen turns out there are some that are still creepy there are some that are uplifting and there's a ton of them that seem mundane you want to see some mundane ones look up the skin worm it's a tattoo yeah it's like okay that's cool don't really care but i'd say that i'm in i would actually probably read some more i keep going through tv tropes to like see (laughs) some interesting odds and ends (laughs) i'm trying to think if there was a cool scp that i hadn't mentioned but i can't think of any so uh i'm in there's way too much diversity of SCPs to not be in. And it's like the perfect conceit. Yeah. yeah. It's like how I love Doctor Who just in concept. Yeah, because you can do anything. <laughs> Man, Cloverfield is like one big SCP. Yeah. Yeah. In that it's just an eyewitness account of this crazy thing that shows up on Earth. No more information. It just is there and happens. Mm-hmm. normally we'd have a spotlight so there's there's a bit of meta discussion i wanted to have a spotlight so badly to have something to do with the scp foundation Um, and as it turns out the scp foundation is all a creative commons share alike but not non-commercial you can profit off it yeah you can and people do i think primarily through games and things like that but you have to include the notice because that's the the creative commons way but you can also make derivative works of those things because that is a requirement of the creative commons licensing scheme it's a copyleft style thing anyway uh, as a result nobody really owns the content wait that doesn't stop people normally anyway (laughs) i couldn't find a charity related to the scp foundation because there's nowhere for it to go i guess you'd have to get all the scp writers to agree where it would go and nobody's really picked up that mantle no one's really decided hey i'm going to make a charity or anything like that Mm -hmm. so i couldn't find anything and otherwise we would usually spotlight something that is an interesting cause related to the fandom and the only thing that really qualifies is the amazing work that is the scp foundation itself i don't think we've ever covered anything that is such a giant collaborative ball of curative and transformative work that is also self-sustaining and self-referential and metatextual and like it's glorious like the fandom singularity Ah. yeah (laughs) aside from the game and like possibly a movie ruining it but who knows how that would go but like aside from the games i did find and this can't be a spotlight unfortunately it didn't happen 
But I did find that from 2014 to 2015-ish, there was plans to make an SCP Foundation-themed haunted house. Ooh. Oh. But I guess the person putting it together just couldn't pull the resources together because they wanted to do all the uh, costumes and all the figures and stuff in-house. Why they just have like like stuff like the toaster? <laughs> <laughs> they wanted the heavy hitters like 173 oh, yeah. and so on. I mean, like, I can't get enough of all the weird little meme things in the site. Like, the things that are supposed to convince you that this is a real thing. The mind agents, the, all that jazz. But, like, it's, none of that is a spotlight. I mean, <laughs> I could also direct you to our dank memes from Site 19. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about it. I hadn't checked it out, but I remember seeing that. I'm guessing it's an SCP that creates it's SCP posting. Because uh... of course it is. Well, okay. <laughs> like if you go to the the SCP subreddit, which I think is just reddit.com slash r slash SCP, it has a bunch of like the rules. Every subreddit has its own rules, and it's like, hey, stop telling us how to kill this SCP. This has been done. If you want to do that, go to this other post. But then there was another thing that's like, hey, if you found this thing in real life and you're joking about it, like that's been done to death. Stop doing that. Do your posting over here that... yeah yeah on the faq it's like i saw an scp what do i do oh yeah that was it and it's like this is a fictional site we also don't role play so mm. sorry apparently role playing is part of the fandom but i guess not like an official part so to speak it's not part of the wiki yeah okay yeah. i know we just went through the whole episode and i totally forgot to mention this fine in all of the research that i did more than anything else that i found i'm trying to find out why people like it i'm trying to find out anything that's not just this is what the scp is and how it works did anybody find like a huge amount of people being like is this thing real (laughs) (laughs) is this this, like their faq says it the subreddit says it they posted multiple places it's like is this thing gonna kill me it's like I was very surprised how many people were like, is this a real thing? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe those people are just playing along. There was like four or five different questions on Korra asking, is the SCP real? (laughs) I convinced some Some people. Some of them were like, how do I get a job there? (laughs) Yeah. I'm back. Uh, But there's no spotlight is the TLDR of this. (laughs) Yeah. For a change, shine that spotlight on yourself, listeners. You deserve it. I mean, we're coming into spring. It's probably nice. Squint with pride. <laughs> Squint with pride. Uh, All right. Welp. Mm-hmm. If you had your fill of this tale, we want to hear more. You can go into the vault, conveniently located with panthropological.com and on iTunes. Get all our episodes, and if you hit subscribe on iTunes, you'll get a brand new episode every Friday. You don't have to think about it. It'll just be there. Your computer will be like, hey, an episode of Phanthropological from those guys that have the same name. You'll be like, great. And if you want to leave a rating or review, that'd be great. That would help everybody see and hear us out there in Apple land. This podcast is Phanthropological, but we three are the next cast, and you can find us all over the internet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Vero. I'm getting very into Vero, so if you if you see us on there, please uh, <laughs> please give us a shout. And in addition to all of that, if you would like to watch us record these episodes alive, that's right, what you're hearing right now, 
is recorded live before your very eyes. And we are not some sort of SCP that will uh, put a virus in your computer or eat your face or whatever. We're just three podcasters trying to make it in this workaday world. And you can watch us do that every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time uh, here on twitch.tv slash thenixcast. But, but why, you might be wondering, if I can just listen to this thing whenever I want, why should I come by at 8 p.m. Mondays Eastern Time to twitch.tv slash thenixcast? Well, dear listeners and potential viewers, you should come over here, watch us record this thing live so that you can join us basically on the show, you know? Throw your thoughts in the chat room here on Twitch. Ask us questions while we're going through the, the show. Let us know what time zone you're in. Thank you very much, Orange Moose. All these sorts of things. And and most of all, if you drop in at the end of the show or if you hang out for the whole show, fingers crossed, <laughs> you can participate in the maybe favorite part of the show, the famous last words. For whatever reason, when you were saying you can join us live, I thought you had said join us alive. It's like, and for those of you joining us dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Well, if you miss it, you better be dead or in jail. And if you're in jail, you better break out. Uh, Simpsons has to be the white whale that we haven't gotten to yet, right? We did it on the previous podcast, but not on Fanthropological. Yeah. We could do a whole season. The Simpsons followed by Simpsons posting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Also worth mentioning, for a limited time only, you too can watch the next cast on twitch.tv slash the next cast doing the race against time three and a half. Why is it a half? I don't know. Just watch it. We are raising money for the organization for transformative works, which runs Fanlore, which runs Archive of Our Own sites that we often use for the podcast we are playing through secret of mana which is the remastered version of the game which is a fun kind of annoying the game's fun the gameplay is kind of annoying but we're playing through it uh we're probably like i don't know halfway through the game and we'll probably be playing it for a couple more weeks until we finish it you should check that out same spot as this podcast this video cast this live cast this twitch stream <laughs> but like she said it's famous last words time yeah oh yeah yeah. As G mentioned at the top of the episode, this is actually the end of the season. So there's going to be a, a short little break between seasons, but that gives us lots of time to do research for the first episode of the season, which is going to be on a little show about Tiny Robot. Uh, yep, a tiny robot named George <laughs> Jetson. Uh, His boy Elroy. <laughs> daughter judy jane his wife that's it those are the jetsons yeah sorry you know it's about a guy called bob he comes from the net through systems peoples and cities he comes to this place anthropological oh. we're talking about reboot and so what are your famous last words about the famous canadian television show reboot all right jumping in here go for it how much non-nostalgic fandom is there for reboot? Oh, I also f- forgot to mention, by the time the episode airs, you'll be able to watch the new reboot series, 
reboot the Guardian code on Netflix. Oh, sweet. Hopefully it's on Canadian Netflix. <laughs> I think it is. It also airs in YTV like four months later. But your question was how much non-nostalgic? Yeah, because I feel like due to the nature of technology and the subject of reboot being, you know, in the, the inhabitants of the computer, essentially, mm-hmm. and the mysterious The Net, mm-hmm. that if someone doesn't have nostalgia for this show, then it immediately has appeal because it's retro. Because of the way that it discusses computer technology from when it was made. Yeah. Because it was like 96-ish. That sounds right. Yep. Yeah. So it's like immediately like a throwback to the capacities of computers at the time, as well as the animation is as well. Oh, 1994 apparently. Wowzers. Yeah, the animation was really good first time. Do you remember those uh, Inside the Mind's Eye or those little shorts? Yep. I would play on YTV of computer animation. Do I ever? So is it, is it? So I feel like everyone either likes it because it's nostalgic for them or retro. No in between. Alrighty, can go next. Got some words loaded up. So, as T mentioned, top of the section. Reboot is a famous Canadian TV show. Obviously, obviously known in Canada. Also known fairly obviously in the united states because of uh of, uh being on abc i think one of the major networks down there abc abc okay cool but what i want to know is is there another country where reboot was and is popular singapore that may or may not be singapore i mean maybe a lot of canadians and americans just moved to singapore that's like the reboot fan hub. No one knows for sure, but I'm here to find out. Oh, man. <laughs> Amazing. So good. I assume everyone's getting all these references <laughs> out there in podcast land. I hope so. These are all A1, like top, <laughs> top references. <sighs> okay. My first thought was, I want to know how Reboot came to be a thing. Like, who thought it would be a good idea to, like, make a show about the inside of a computer? But I'm not going to ask that because I'm going to find that out. That is kind of inevitable. Yeah. So I'm going to try to dig a little deeper because I want to dig into the fans. And I guess what I want to know is, yeah, is there... A reboot fan convention. Because it's it's not that big. Yeah. And I want to know if it's a thing. Maybe I'll find out there's a festival. Or like maybe in Vancouver where Rainmaker Studios, aka Mainframe Mm -hmm. Entertainment, has like a special day and people come in and celebrate or something. I want to know if there's something like that. Because I've been to cons. I've definitely seen bob and hexadecimal cosplayers in the last two or three years people care yeah but i want to know how much if the big lebowski has a convention then reboot has to have something i don't think that follows that no that doesn't scan (laughs) boy oh boy apparently enzo's name means something i should stop doing research on the air (laughs) we'll see you next episode And until next season...
stay frosty.